Hello and welcome to PodSpot, the UK's only HubSpot-themed podcast. A regular look at the latest updates from HubSpot and practical hints and tips directly from the mouths of HubSpot users and partners. Every business is creating content, but very few are able to stand out and the battle for our attention is only getting harder. So this week, we're going to look at how businesses can really make the most of the effort they put into content. I'm going to be joined by content designer Jamie Beach to give us the rundown on the topic and talk us through how businesses can harness the power of data to achieve their content objectives. We're going to hear about the history of content design, the power of usability testing, topics like information architecture, and of course, content design through the lens of HubSpot. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Ian. Yeah, good to be good to be on the podcast for once after the two years of editing and producing it. Um, so yeah, happy to be happy to be here in front of the camera. Good stuff. Yeah, I was going to say it's uh, it's good to have you in front of the camera and the microphone for once. But uh, yeah, look, uh, where do we start? I guess before we maybe dive into too much detail, um, why don't we start with just a, a bit of a kind of high level bit of information about kind of content design and your role. Um, here at Carmen and, and with clients of ours. Yeah, sure. So yeah, as as yeah, you might have guessed, I'm a content designer uh, here at Carmen Digital. Uh, been doing this sort of role now for for a couple of years. Um, so I mostly work on web content, uh, but it also strays off into into other more traditional um, pieces of work, like yeah, the, the podcast for for instance. Um, I guess content design is a sort of relatively new term that's really become popular over the last probably three to five years. You know, there's people beating the the drum beforehand. Um, but only recently have you, have you sort of seen the, the rise of the job title outside of your, your sort of more traditional tech hubs. Um, it's quite a hard sort of topic to define and, and a role to define because it, I guess it covers so many different, uh, different angles. Um, but I'd say it sort of principally covers information architecture, um, UX, so user experience, uh, and just the more traditional sort of content creation stuff as well. So copywriting and uh, video production and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm sure we'll come on to those those topics in a little bit more more detail later on. But um, but yeah, I think that, that wraps it up nicely. I think one last thing to put on that is it's all about, you know, putting your assumptions aside and making sure you're creating content that is data-led. Um, I think that that that's probably the most important thing about about content design. It's really really being led by data uh, and putting the user the user first. Yeah, it feels to me like, and and maybe it's just sort of an outside perspective, not being involved in the day to day work, but it feels like a bit of an amalgamation of of lots of different roles, lots of roles that I guess already existed, but kind of coming under a, a slightly different umbrella. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I started out at Carmen as, as sort of a more traditional copywriter, um, and that's sort of definitely still a big part of my role. But it's sort of looking at that 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 angle with with you know more of a sense of data and being data led. You know, looking li- really looking through that 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 data lens. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess you, you hear a lot about it. This sort of thing, don't you? You know. Um, you know, lots of businesses produce content. Uh, we all want to make data-driven decisions. As it becomes more competitive, that that becomes imperative, I guess. Um, but how do we get away from that being a sort of theoretical thing? And and actually, I guess you know, what 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 is it that that business leaders, marketers, um, you know, those in sales, those that are looking at sales and marketing alignment, you know, why why should those guys be taking it seriously? 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I, to be honest, just because there's there's so much crap out there today, isn't there? You know, there's over there's over 1.2 billion websites, I think. And, and I think I, I looked at the numbers earlier. It's around 250 million, you know, still active today. I don't, I don't really have to sell in why content is, is really important from an inbound sense. You know, it feels like every business is trying to do it at this point. But I think without that sort of angle around data, without, without really putting in an approach that sort of, yeah, makes your, makes your approach solid to, to content, you know, it's just going to get lost. You know, there's just too much competition out there, particularly in the B2B, B2B space where you know your your content can really without a, a solid approach and that solid data set sort of teeter into the the, the dull and, and uninspiring i think that yeah that's that's essentially it. it's it's competition isn't it it's you know you've got to stand out and 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 looking at you know your audience and and the data and really making sure that the solid approach in terms of research is is sort of essential to that i think yeah, I think I read recently that sixty-seven uh, percent of content generated in B two B businesses isn't even used, let alone put out to an audience, which is which is crazy. But I think you're right. You know, there's lots of businesses, aren't there, generating content because they know it's something they need to do, but actually, it's not really underpinned by any particular insight or any data or anything. You know, that that ties it back to their audience or makes it kind of really engaging. Yeah, yeah, and you think you know the where we are with the AI. Uh, what that's going to do to that sort of landscape you know there's just there's so much getting fired out now in a couple of years time when it's even more easy to to pump out content you know how how much more how much harder is that going to be for 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 businesses to really you know make a mark yeah but also i think that there's a risk isn't there with with ai that it it just becomes a sort of aggregation of existing content and actually makes that problem even harder, I guess, for businesses to stand out and really engage or relate to an audience. But then likewise, I guess there's probably also the flip side of that, which is an opportunity for businesses who want to dive into really data-driven kind of content uh, design that they can stand out if other businesses are using that. I mean, yeah. when, when we say when we say kind of data, when we're talking about just data research it sounds quite generic, doesn't it? It could could mean lots of different things. Can you give us some examples of kind of what we're actually talking about? Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll give a little sort of recent example. Um, so at Carmen, we're sort of working closely with a, a global professional service business um, who came to us with a, a fairly broad brief for a web build, uh, basically pinning everything on. You know, we need we need more relevant traffic. We need higher conversions. Um, so we had some assumptions about the website when they came to us, you know, on the face of it, it was an absolute awful user experience and it would have been super easy just to, you know, torch the lot. Say what you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. I've not named the client, so, uh, you know. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we essentially needed to, to really, you know, have insight to back up that assumption. Um, we were able to get them up and running on, on Mouseflow, which is a program we use that sort of tracks website uh, users, you know, showing how they engage with the with the site. Um, and it showed us that, you know, while that user experience was horrible, um, the the site and elements of the site and elements of the content were actually really engaging once our leads were getting to where they wanted to be. But it was just that journey that was just a mess. You know, the, the small amount of people that were making it to where they, they really wanted to be were actually you know, really valuing the content that they were seeing. So that sort that insight really set the tone for the rest of the project, really. So it, it became clear that it wasn't about starting fresh. It was about teasing out those aspects in a way that would sort of help our clients achieve their, their web, pro- web project goals. So really teasing out those, those, those aspects on, and 
sort of modules on the site that worked. Um, and, and the way we ended up doing this was just sort of, you know, really, really working hard to reorganize the, the hierarchy of content and the information um, in an effective way. And, and, and yeah, we're sort of seeing the benefits of that now. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because I think, you know, it, yeah, the, the assumption perhaps is that people aren't doing content right, but actually there's a lot more to it, isn't there? Because he's got to be findable. You've got to have a distribution network. You've got to have an audience to, to deliver content to. And if you don't have all of those sat around good quality content, then if it's great content, but no one sees it, if a tree falls in the woods, it's that sort of thing, isn't it? No, you know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's it. <laughs> so um, I, I guess that leads quite nicely into another question that I had then around, um, I guess we broadly sort of call it information architecture, I guess now, but the, the sort of design of the, 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 the UX or the hierarchy of information, I don't know, you're going to understand it better than us. Why, why don't you give us a bit of a bit, bit of a summary of how you see kind of information architecture and how that plays into your space? Yeah, sure. So uh, information architecture is just one of those things that makes you sound way smarter than you actually are when it, when it comes to explaining what you do. Information architecture it just simply refers to, to how we organize information and content on a website um, for the user. So, you know, think of your website's map, the hierarchy of pages, you know, how do those pages interlink? Um, how do they assist the user, essentially? I, I guess going back to that example that we, we just sort of touched on there, you know, in that, in that context, the client... Um, that it was just about finding the best ways to organize that content on the site, A, for the user experience, but B, also for conversion. So just going back to those, those objectives, it, those two things almost always go, go hand in hand. You know, a good, a good user experience will always encourage your, your visitors to, to convert. So we use sort of existing data to find out uh, the current user journey on their website um, before we'd start, started the build. You know, what were, what were the visitors trying to achieve on the current site? Where were they getting frustrated? You know, if they were converting, what did this process look like? Where where were those leads coming from? And we compared this with the research that we had. You know, what what were the sales team sort of using to convert referrals? Um, on the back end, you know, what what were the sales team sort of delivering to the inboxes of of, of leads? Um, and what 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 did the sort of audience want to see, depending on their intent? And so we used all this sort of research and all this information to essentially create a, a site map and a hierarchy that was really sort of primed in for those, for those, for those goals of, of higher conversion. Um, you know, we be, built the site out. There's been a dramatic increase in relevant traffic. Um, and we're sort of now at a point where we're using Mouseflow still just to go back and, and make sure we're optimizing and really sort of honing in um, on, you know, all the improvements that, that we possibly can. Um, so it's all, it's that sort of, constant evolution isn't it right it's never you know a web project or a, a project around information architecture is never just done it's it's always sort of revolving it's always there's always something you can be doing especially with sort of i guess like technological trends you know new new tools that we can use um so yeah yeah so as you see it then is this is information architecture and that kind of thinking limited now just to the kind of digital space to, to web content or are you seeing that in kind of other areas yeah, no, it's a good question. So I think I think information architecture is limited just to web content. Yeah, so you're sort of dealing in in, in website architecture, how websites are, are, are sort of um, you know structured in, in terms of their hierarchy. I think content design though is probably something that can be taken over into that social media space. 
you know, one part of uh, that's really important for content designers is, is is sort of things like usability testing, which is where you know we sit down and, and have tangible interviews with our audience to learn about their web experience. I think that's that's definitely something that you know it would be cool to see in in a social media sense, and I'm sure there's people sort of doing that now. You know, sitting down with you know a, a small number of of, of a target audience and, and asking them questions about social media experience, or you know, finding out the ways that they they uh they experience sort of social content um so yeah i, th- I think it's sort of it's, it's going back to that lens piece isn't it it's, it, content design is a lens through which you can sort of start to to relook at different topics like social like web content um so yeah i don't think there's any reason why that can't be sort of brought in brought into other areas yeah i, I get i guess that thinking inevitably will will sort of permeate back to other areas that we're doing, you know, because it's it's quality of thought, isn't it, around audience, around um, you know, motivation of an audience, your what they want, what they're looking for, who they are, beyond those kind of, I guess, very outdated marketing personas that that you see still kind of crop sure. up from time to time. So yeah. I guess married married with them. married with two kids and <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think the one bit actually just that you mentioned there, which I think is quite interesting, is um, interviewing people i guess it's you know the old school sort of focus groups isn't it maybe coming back around again but um yeah what what does that look like if you can kind of expand on that for us a little bit in your experience yeah sure i I guess i'd I'd give another recent example so we're sort of in the process of of updating the site internally for carmen um and as part of that sort of process myself and and the ux designer um at at carmen have, have carried out what we call usability testing um, it's super common practice in UX, and it's actually something that I was introduced to from from our UX designer. Um, so yeah, a, a usability test is where you sort of sit down with your participants. You know, you get them to share their screen, and you watch them navigate through sort of a particular site whilst giving them, I guess, instructions and probing them, probing them with questions. You know, you can do it on an existing site, so a prototype site. You know, to find out where your current sort of problems lie. You know, what what modules aren't quite working. Or you can do in what sort of what what we sort of turn to do uh, in the initial stage of the of the discovery for for the new site and and sort of look at what other people in the space are doing. You know, we interviewed so we interviewed a number of participants. You know, all fitting our sort of target audience and asked them to navigate around five sites, uh, all competitors, and we learned so much. You know, what content really drew engagement? What content really helped the user on their journey? You know, that structure what elements really didn't work and what you know, features we should really be avoiding at all costs. I guess when we prototype our site and first get to that, get to that sort of end stage, we'll, we'll do the same and we'll, we'll look back at, you know, our current, our, our sort of new prototype site and see where those problems are before it goes live. You know, it's just a less sterile way of getting that user data. And I think, you know, you'd be so surprised at how much you can learn just by sitting even on a call and just seeing how the user is, even if like it's a facial expression or it's a you know a, a sort of sigh, you know, it's it's super value valuable uh, insights. And I don't I don't think there's anything really like it. You know, I talk about Mouseflow, and that's an absolutely great tool, but there is something quite sterile about it, which I I, I think you know usability testing sort of. Um, yeah, is, is is unmatched in that in that regard. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it's a really interesting space, isn't it? Because it, it kind of brings together the data with the kind of real human experience, which is is ultimately, you know, yeah, we want to be data driven, but ultimately, it's people using 
the content, the sites, whatever it is we're creating. And it kind of, you know, it, it, it brings those things back together. I think it also gets you away from those kind of subjective conversations, doesn't it? Particularly around design, where yeah. we all have an opinion on how something looks or feels or whatever it might be. But actually getting back to what genuinely works, I think is a really interesting place. Yeah, yeah. Now, I've not mentioned that, actually, and that's a super important point. It's, you know, the amount of conversations we've had with clients where, you know, I'm not too keen on this as a sort of module or sort of the placement of this. Okay, why is that? Can, can, we, can we go back to them and say, actually, no, the, data, the data shows that, that this really does work. So, you know, you've really got to, you've got to come with something else other than sort of personal preference if you see sort of that sort of insight so yeah it's, it's yeah it's a great it's a great tool for, for just i guess really progressing a project you know if you can show the data shows this you know let's crack on with this because you know we've got the we've got the insight to show it works and that's you know, game changing really yeah and actually you mentioned earlier about potentially the impact on social media i, I think it's been in the press quite a lot recently hasn't it around um the diary of a ceo and they test hundreds of different thumbnails for the podcast before they go live with one i mean it's a similar sort of approach isn't it saying well you might like one picture i might like another but actually let's let's test it and see what works and what actually has an impact on on our objectives rather than just kind of guessing yeah yeah absolutely i've seen there's um you've got the um the thumbnail testing that you can do with third parties now on youtube and you know the the ab testing for for titles you know it's so there's so much like going on it's those tools are already only going to get greater i think you know that what we what we can do and and what we can sort of you know test against is is only going to become greater so yeah it's really it's a really interesting time and space yeah so actually talking about tools we are a hubspot podcast and i don't think we've really talked about hubspot yet so um yeah, I, look, I, you know, I, I know you do a lot of work with HubSpot. We're a HubSpot partner agency, right? So uh, it kind of comes naturally to us. But if you were to, to kind of look objectively at, at, at the tools available to you, um, you know, what do you see as, as the kind of the, the benefits of working with HubSpot, particularly when it comes to kind of content design, um, information architecture, the CMS, you know, those kind of aspects? Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've worked with a few, a few CMSs now, and uh, I think the standout, from from a HubSpot perspective, is probably their their information architecture, funnily enough. So, just the organisation and the ease of use on the CMS. You know, you've got obviously your features like the drag and drop, which make it super easy to to, to action your amends. But also the stuff in the back end. You know, you, you, your site mapping features, which really help to visualise your site architecture. You know, that that is just so useful for, from a content governance point of view, particularly for those larger clients that HubSpot are really trying to trying to target who have massive you know website footprints being able just to go onto a uh, onto a web page within HubSpot and just see you know your site map in all its glory is is super useful for for content for content designers so that's that's present um but i think what what probably excites me the most about HubSpot is what's ahead you know i'm always dipping in and out of HubSpot and going from tool to tool you know actioning and amends, uh, you know, actioning new insights and, and, and stuff like that. So I think we're going to start to see that sort of a streamline of that, of that process where, you know, more and more, you'll just be able to do everything within HubSpot. You know, that's, it's that single source of truth that we always go on about. I think that is really going to become a reality for people within fulfillment and, and, and content uh, marketing. 
you know, a dream of the day where I could just do <laughs> absolutely everything within HubSpot and not have to worry about any logins or anything like that. And yeah, I guess you're sort of starting to see the start of it with with um, Content Assistant and, and the AI tools within HubSpot. Um, so I think the best is probably to come for, for content designers in HubSpot, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years there. Yeah, yeah, nice. Well, uh, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a nice place to wrap up, isn't it? On the on the on the potential to come with HubSpot and and how it kind of supports what we're trying to do with clients, I guess. But um, while we've got you, I think it would it would be rude not to, uh, you know, for, for for people listening, just to try and leave them with, I don't know, two or three key bits of kind of advice for for content creation, for marketing teams, people that are looking to to kind of ramp up their their content design stuff we're at the, the start of, of 2024 now so you know how do they how do they make 2024 a really strong year for for their content and stand out yeah so i think without probably going back on everything that i've just said you know about the importance of data i think it is really important to not be limited by data creativity creatively particularly in that first sort of stage so yeah obviously with everything i've just said i might sound a bit weird <laughs> um but I think sometimes, you know, starting out with that data-led approach can, in a way, stifle creativity. And, you know, when you're thinking about your creative messaging and you're thinking about your new content topics, just scrap all of that sort of data, those data analysis tools and, and, and everything I've just said and just, you know, crack on with your own assumptions. But when it comes to those own assumptions, make sure you're really, you know, trying that against your existing data once you've got those sort of topics and those themes tied down, you know, don't just crack on with the assumption. Don't just implement it as soon as you've had a good idea, you know, make sure that you can find data and research that shows that, you know, the idea that you've had actually works. And if not go back to the drawing board. I that's a really strong point because uh, content by, by committee is, is rarely good. So you, you do need someone, don't you, who's got an opinion. And, and and I guess that might come from brand guidelines, ultimately, or tone of voice, or, you know, what's our position as a business. But content does need to have a personality, doesn't it? And actually, if, you, yeah. if you're just jumping straight into the data, there's, an, there's a chance you're going to lose that just try trying to sort of please everyone or tick every box, I guess. Yeah, 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 completely. Um, so that's the first one. I think second, it sort of ties into that first is, you know, if you if you've had a brilliant idea, you think is brilliant, but the data doesn't demonstrate it's a good idea. Just don't, <laughs> don't do everything. And I've done this, you know, I've done everything to try and mold that data into a favorable set for my idea. You know, don't do that. It's trying to recognize that that's an ego trip. And if the data or research doesn't sort of back it up, then, then just scrap it. Um, so that's my second, probably from a personal experience more than anything. Um, <laughs> and the last thing I'd say is, and this sticks back more into your, your discovery piece, I guess, which is super important at Carmen, you know, really taking that time to do that, you know, deep um, sort of discovery phase approach when, when we onboard clients and really trying to, to uncover the problems and, and, and whatnot. So yeah, just really make sure you're spending as much time as possible on that strategy piece and that planning piece before you jump into your tactical you know, fulfillment of the content, you know, really taking a step back and just asking the why as much as possible. Um, I think Tim Ferriss has got five whys where you just, every time you're asking, okay, why, okay, why, okay, why just really, it just really helps to bulletproof any idea you're working on. Um, you know, the worst thing you can do as a content designer is start a project without that sufficient planning. And, you know, it's quite easy as a consultancy or an agency to really jump into that activity when you've got 
sort of a client that's that's really keen to sort of start seeing their their fee paying off but that all, almost always will lead to failure you know it's really it's really important that you just knuckle down on that on that first approach and and, and really um yeah really know where you're trying to get to you know know how you're going to do it through messaging through strategy you know what does that all look like map it out as much as you can uh, and if you do that properly then i think i think you're in a good place so i think those are sort of my three my three um my three tips yeah brilliant well look i think it's i think it's a fascinating area it's becoming more and more important as we said said at the start i think it's incredibly competitive environment for people and um you know it's it's a challenge to stand out but you know yeah that, that re-emphasizing that you know it's born out of data it's born out of insight it's uh you know you, you've got to understand your audience haven't you in, the, in order to stand out and then create great content but also it's got to be findable people have got to get the information they want when they want it so yeah that's it's it. a big area that's going to continue to develop i, I imagine um Thank you for joining us. I know you're you're heading off traveling for a little bit, but uh, I'm sure it won't be long before we're welcoming you back to Carmen Digital. Um, and it's been yeah, really really useful session. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you, Ian. Yeah, cheers, cheers for having me. No worries. Good stuff. You've been listening to Podspot, the UK's only HubSpot themed podcast, this time with Jamie Beach, content designer here at Karma Digital. If you're new to the show, then there's 47 other episodes waiting for you wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Goodbye.